Thanks for singing along with us. Well, I think you were singing. I had those big earphones on, so I don't really know if you were singing. But for those of you who were, thanks for uh, worshiping our great God. He truly, truly is amazing, deserving, deserving of the best we can give because he gave the best he had to give for us. And uh, so super grateful for that. Uh, this morning, if you are visiting with us or uh, you haven't been here in a bit, we just will finish this series up uh, uh, leading up to Easter and celebrating what Christ has done for us. And over the next couple of weeks, just want to share a couple of thoughts before we jump into a, a brand new series on uh, probably on relationships, but uh, we'll, we'll get more into that later. Um, but Last week, just talking about the, just the evidence of the resurrection, of the, the eyewitnesses who saw Jesus alive and gave their lives for it, started writing documents, all uh, stuff that just an explosion of information about this incredible man that, uh, that lived. And so we talked about that last week and asked you to consider the evidence that if Jesus is who he says he is, then then uh, he deserves to be followed like he ha- has called us to. And so as we kind of read through the accounts of, of how Jesus rose from the dead, a lot of times what I find at Easter is you kind of read through these, these guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote their accounts of, of what happened in the life of Jesus. And sometimes you get to like the resurrection and it's like, okay, and then you sort of skip on from there. But there's some stuff that happened just after that that uh, just is really, uh, really kind of incredible. I spent some time reading some of that this week, and I want to share a little bit of that this morning with you. Um, but before I jump into that, have you ever been? Uh, have you ever seen somebody who's like doing something wrong, and like you just like you just felt like you had to tell them? You know, maybe you looked and you're like, man, their parenting needs uh, needs work. You know, it's like. <laughs> You just feel like compelled to tell them, or maybe it's the, the, the maybe it's running, you know, or maybe it's parking, and you know, this may be your wife or husband or whoever. And you're like, you just feel like, you know, you got to tell them that, hey, you know, I think you're, I think you're doing it wrong. And you know, when you see these things, you kind of chuckle and think, oh, it's kind of funny. And uh, but have you ever been told by someone, hey, uh, you're doing it wrong? It's like a little bit of, I can get, you know, what what happens when somebody says, hey, I just feel like I got to tell you that. You know, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would parent my kids like that. I think, you know, you're screwing them up, you know, or, hey, I don't really think you should be like buying that car when you work at that place. You know, you don't, you don't have enough. What happens to us? Often, I'll tell you what happens to me. I get this wall instantly built on the inside, like d- defense wall. Like, who are you to tell me what to do? Like, who do you think you are, right? Like, this, this thing of like, if, if I thought I was doing it wrong, I, I would have changed. You know, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. And, uh, I think we, we just naturally like that. My son, my one son, he's six years old. Last week we talked about how he learned how to, dis, to solve a Rubik's Cube, which is pretty impressive. Uh, but now all of a sudden all his siblings are like, now they all want to learn how to solve a Rubik's Cube. And so I'm teaching one of my other kids, and as I'm sitting there, I'm trying to explain something to him, and he's like, he's, he's doing it wrong. And I'm like, just, just give me the Rubik's Cube and let me, let me help you. And he's like, no, no, you know, it's fine. I'm like, son, you're doing it wrong. I don't care. I don't need your help. I'm like, okay, right? It's like one of those, we'll figure it out on, on your own. I'm like, I can't wait to do the Dr. Phil. So how's that working for you? Son? No, I just, you know, that, that, uh, I'm just kidding. He'll come back. But those, um, those kind of things happen in our lives where this, this kind of this defense mechanism comes up. And I was really nervous about speaking on this this morning because it is one of those things that, that, that uh, is sometimes difficult. And, in our, and there's parts of us that kind of, kind of resist to some of this type of stuff. And so I just want to, I want to start off uh, with this scripture. Paul was a guy who wrote to churches in the, in, uh, and new believers in, in all kinds of places. And he wrote a letter to a guy named Timothy, a young guy uh, who was a new recent follower of Jesus, who was serving the Lord, and, and as a result was um, helping to lead a church. And 
he, would, uh, he wrote these letters of encouragement to Timothy. And so the second letter that he wrote to Timothy, we call it Second Timothy. And so if you have your Bible, you can, you can find it or you can hop on, on your device and find Second Timothy or you can read along on the screen. Second um, Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes this. He says, all scripture or everything that you read, all these letters that were written, uh, the Bible is like, it's not, it's not just one book. It's a collection of different types of literature all put together. We have it in one book for convenience, but they're all very, very unique things. And so he's saying, hey, Timothy, all that's inspired by God. The, 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 uh, the, the poetry, you know, through Psalms where it's like, wow, as I, as I look out at creation, I just see the, amaz- the amazing creativity of God. I want, people, I want people to know that. I want people to remember that. And so they write something down. Others said, I saw a man die on a cross and then three days later, I had breakfast with him. I need people to know that. I'm going to write down the details. And others wrote letters and said, hey, you know what? There was a man who died and rose from the dead, and you put your faith in him. Let me tell you a little bit about how that affects your life. And they wrote those letters down. Well, this is one of those that Paul wrote to Timothy. And he says, Tim, all, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what's true. That's what his word is to do. It's telling us what's true. It helps us realize what's wrong in our lives. Sometimes you, you read it and it's like a mirror. You know, you woke up this morning, you went to the mirror and you're like, oh, I don't look so good, right? And so you did some work on yourself. And then, you know, you had breakfast and then you, what did you do? You checked the mirror again, make sure, is there any eggs, ketchup on my face? Okay, I'll get that off before I go to church. You know, I don't want everybody knowing what I have for breakfast, right? I can tell you did that. Some, you, you had to have looked in the mirror. Nobody wakes up looking as good as you guys do. That's just not the case. So, That's what he says, though. It's like you look in the mirror, and it shows you what's wrong, and it says it teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, it says, and God's using it. He's using his word to prepare and equip his people. Who? You guys. He's using it to equip you and me uh, for, for every good work. And so this morning, as we look into some of the accounts of things that were written down, inspired by what what God was uh, saying and doing, I hope that it does just that in your heart this morning. That it equips you, that it challenges you, that it, that it encourages, that, that inspires you. Um, John was one of the eyewitness followers of Jesus. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that, that John, he's not just some character. He walked and talked with Jesus. And as he, as he saw he saw his friend, you know, uh, he didn't write everything down at the times. Like they wrote some of the stuff that Jesus was saying, but they didn't realize who Jesus was until after he died. And then they're like, oh, man, I guess all the stuff we wrote down really isn't worth too much. And then all of a sudden he rose from the dead, and they're like, okay, well, everything he said, if a guy can die and raise from the dead and predict that beforehand and pull it off, then we'll just believe everything he says because nobody else can do that. And so they, they kept these documents, and they... They uh, had some incredible stories. So John is, is an eyewitness of the story that I'm just about to tell you right now. And so after Jesus had risen from the dead, he had given a message to the disciples saying, hey, meet me in Galilee. I've got some stuff I'm going to do, but I'll meet you in Galilee. So the disciples go to Galilee, and they're sitting in Galilee like, I don't know when Jesus is going to come. Hey, what do you guys want to do? I don't know. Like all men's like, let's go fishing. All right, so they hop in their boat, and they go fishing, and they fish all night, and they don't catch anything. And so as then they're coming in in the morning, and they're like, oh, you know, well, fishing was fun before, but it's not that great anymore. And then they see this guy on the beach, and he's waving at them. And so they're like, okay, yeah, I see that? This guy waving at us. Okay, and we all wave back, and Peter waves. And, and all of a sudden, they hear this voice come across the water. Cast your nets on the other side, side, side. And they're like, I've heard that before, you know? I've, I've heard that. And so they're like, come on, guys. Do you know what? Remember last time we cast our nets on the other side? And if you're familiar with it, the story is they cast their nets on the other side in the daytime and caught a ton of fish, which was miraculous. And they're like, 
Who knows? Like, let's try it again. We had one time where, you remember? Yeah, okay, so they throw the nets in, and they catch this massive thing of fish. And as soon as the nets fill up with fish, Peter realizes that's not just some guy on the beach. That's Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. And so Peter had had this thing where he had denied Jesus. And we talked about that at Easter, where three times he had denied that he even knew Jesus. And it's like, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you get something wrong with a friend or with a spouse, and you know you got it wrong, and then it's like, you just you just like, I just want to make it right. And then all of a sudden, there's like that window of opportunity to make it right. You feel like, okay, I got to make that phone call, or I, I just got to talk to them. You can imagine Peter's probably feeling like that on the boat, because as soon as he's like, it's Jesus, he jumps in the water, swims to shore, and he's like, come on, Peter, you could have helped us out. And he's like, I got to go. And he, he swims over to the beach, and as he gets up on the beach, there's Jesus, got fish cooking for breakfast, and the other guys come in, they're dragging the net, it's like 153 fish, it tells you, and they're like, thanks a lot, Peter, you know, you could have helped us out, he's like, I just had to, I had to get here. Well, as Peter sits on the beach with Jesus, they have breakfast, and then Jesus brings up that topic, that Peter thought maybe, you know, maybe we're good, but now all of a sudden Jesus is like, hey, Peter, can we go have a little conversation? And Peter's like, oh, sure, right, and so Jesus and Peter take a little walk, and and John's kind of listening in, and, and Peter says, he says, so, so what's, what's up? And Jesus is like, Peter, do you love me? He's like, yeah, I love you. You know I love you. He's like, okay, well, feed my sheep. And then he says, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Jesus, I just answered the question. Yes, yes, I, I love you. He's like, okay, good, you know, feed, feed my lambs. Hey, Peter, yeah? Do you love me? Yeah, Jesus, yes. Like, I, I don't know what you want him to tell me. I don't want, know what you want me to tell you, but yeah. Like, I really do love you. He says, you know what, Peter? He says, then feed, feed my lambs. Peter's like kind of scratching his head a little bit like, I'm not sure, but he knows. You know, three times I denied. Three times he's asking me, do I really love him? And he's sitting with this kind of like, okay. And then, and then John writes down the rest of the stuff of what happened. So after Jesus says, yeah, okay, Peter, I know you love me, and I haven't given up on you. I still have a job for you to do. I want you to lead the church. I want you to, to, um, to feed my sheep. Verse 18, he says to him, Peter, he's, John writes it down. He says, Peter, I tell you the truth. You know, when you were young, you were able to do whatever you liked. You dressed yourself. You went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands, and others are going to dress you, and they're going to take you where you don't want to go. And, and that's not saying that they committed him to some, like, old senior's home or anything like that, right? Just in case we thought that way, Jesus says the next verse. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God with. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter, follow me. And as Peter's kind of thinking, it says Peter turned around, and what does he see? Here he sees John, you know. John's like everybody else sitting at the fire. There goes Jesus and Peter. Like, I wonder what that's all about. Like, you know, kind of following, listening in a little bit. Here's the story. Good for us because he wrote it down. He's like, yeah, Peter's getting it, you know. I was getting in trouble. I'm writing this down, right? We got to remember this. And, And then John writes this. He says, he says, Jesus told him to follow me. And Peter turns around and asks, and he sees the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I like how John writes that too. It's like, yeah, I'm the one Jesus loved, right? But he's like, he's like, Peter's in trouble. I'm the one Jesus loved. And Peter says, what about him? You know, the one who laid on your chest at dinner, the one who, um, the one who asked about, you know, that question, who will betray you? And, and uh, in verse 21, Peter says, Jesus, what about him? What about him? And Jesus replied, if I want him to stay alive until I return, what is that to you? You know, like, tell me, Jesus, how's that guy going to die? Like, okay, I'm going to die, but how's he going to die? He's like, don't worry about him. I want you to follow me. 
don't worry about him. As for you, follow me. And this morning, I, I feel like that is the same thought for each and every one of us. Sometimes we like we want to compare. We're like, we look down the row at the people down our row or like at work or wherever we find ourselves. And we're like, well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. You know, my life's not that, I don't have it all together, but at least I'm not like him. And then sometimes we sit in church and we're like, you know, just, just don't make eye contact. You know, I'm not as good as the preacher. I know what you're thinking, you know, and you're like, I hope you can't read minds. You know, I just I feel a little guilty being here, but I come anyways. And you want to compare. You know what? He's saying, stop all this comparison between and among yourselves. As for you, follow me. Don't worry about, I want you to follow me. And Jesus used those words a lot. When he said to Peter, after, at this, at this particular time, it's not the first time, he had told people, hey, come, come follow me. And if you want to follow me, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, he'd say some other things. He's like, it's not always going to be easy. He's like, you need to count the cost of what it means to follow me. If you really want to be a follower. He says, you know, sometimes it's going to, Sometimes it's going to be this, this thought of you're going to deny yourself and take up your cross, which means you're going to submit your will to mine. So when it comes down to, Jesus, I want to do this, and he's like, yeah, but I want you to do this. I'm like, okay, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to deny that because I'm following you. I'll, I'll do what you ask me to do. Sometimes he said, you know, it's going to cost you relationships. Your friends are going to be like, what? What? Are you do? what? You're, you got to go home early? you got to be in church tomorrow morning? Like, <laughs> you're like you know what? I've chosen to follow Jesus. Maybe your parents looked down at you and like, we didn't raise you that way. You know, what are you doing, doing this, this church, this Jesus thing? And you're like, yeah, let's not fight about it. But yeah, you know, I've made a decision to follow Jesus. And that's what he's saying to them. Don't, don't worry about what everyone else is thinking. I'm asking you to follow me. He's asking me to follow him. And there's different definitions of the word follower. You know, you look through, even the, the dictionary gives multiple definitions for it. So like one is like, go after something that's, a, that's ahead of you. So you're following behind something that's ahead of you or act according to the instructions of others. But, you know, follower sometimes, I don't know, as a kid, it was like a negative word for me. You know, people would be like, you're such a follower. They wouldn't say that to me. They'd say that to all the people following me. But, you know, you're, 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 such, a, you're such a follower, right? Like, it was like kind of this negative thing, meaning if you're a follower, in other words, you're not a leader. You know, you're not going to be the CEO of a company. You're going to work for somebody else, right? You're, not, you're just such a follower. And it was kind of this negative thing. Uh, others, I remember when my buddy and I, we both bought Honda Civics back in the day, and his was red and flashy and fast, and mine was green and slow. Uh, and, but we would, we would drive race sort of around Haldeman County. Uh, sorry, Russ. Probably a little quicker than, than, we, than we needed to go. And, um, you know, it, he got more tickets than me because his was stood out. Mine was green, blended in with the grass. No one saw me going. It was like, it was all good. But he had this thing in his mirror. His, this is not his rearview mirror, but the, it's the same spot. You know, objects in the mirror are losing, right? Like, if you're following me, you're a loser, right? That was kind of his thing. Uh, and I was like, man, you know, that's, that's that thought. Sometimes it's that, that negative thing. If you're a follower, you're a loser. Or followers, you know, it's, it's a negative thought. Well, then Twitter came along and popularized this, this idea of having followers. You know, the more followers, the people who are, and basically, you know, you, when you follow someone, celebrity or people you know, it's like you read what they tweet and you see what they eat. Those are kind of the two things that, that happen with all of this social media it's, and a little bit more of that. But, but it was this thing of having followers, and it was this, you know, it was simple. You could just say, hey, click a button, follow. And if you're like, well, that was offensive, unfollow. I'm not following anymore. 
And we've kind of made this, this thing of where it's, it's easy to start following, it's easy to stop following. And if you, you, know, you want followers, but you don't have enough, you can pay for them. And so you, know, you can have your people, you, know, you tweet something, it looks like 700 people read it, but it's not really all that true because you, you bought 695 of those followers, right? So it's just something that, that strokes our ego a little bit. But we can follow people. And then we follow different people. For some, it's Meghan Markle. You know, you're just wanting to keep up with her wedding plans. And Beth always makes fun of me as if I do that, but it's not the truth. It's uh, just confession time. But, you know, Meghan, you know, following Meghan Markle, maybe it's the Kardashians. You're like, oh, I wonder what they're up to. Or, or, you know, the 27 kids and counting or however many they're up to, you know, a.k.a. the Stone family. But you're like, you're, you're like who, you know, what are, they, what are they up to? And you kind of like, you're intrigued by what they're doing, but... But Jesus didn't talk about when he said, hey, be my follower. That's not the kind of thing he was talking about. He used another word that's synonymous with follower in that day. And it was this word called disciple. It's one who's learning to be like his teacher. When he said, I want you to come follow me, he's saying, I want you to come be like me. When, when I ask you to do something, I want you to do that. So his disciples would be, you know, and they're like, Jesus, you know, when you pray, it just sounds different than us. You know, can, can you teach us to pray? He's like, yeah, I'll teach you how to pray. I'll teach you how to, to do, I'll teach you how to be fishers of men. And, and they would learn to be like Jesus. But what I find uh, often is that in our, in our North American culture and idea of being a Christian, we're not so much followers as, as, as we tend to be fans. Um, there's a, some, there's, I think on Right Now Media, there's like a follower fan study by Kyle Eidelman. Uh, be interesting to check out. But a fan is completely different than, uh, than, than a disciple. A fan, you know, we cheer and we're like, we've got a strong interest in this, in this person or organization, but the fans aren't actually trying to become like the people they're following. You know, these guys here at the Maple Leafs, the fans, they're not actually trying to become like the Maple Leafs as, they, as they're the fans. They're, they're like, yeah, I'm a Maple Leafs fan. You know, I'm a follower of the Leafs. And, you know, they're going to win the cup this year and, and, and we're going to help. And you know how they, they help? They, they sit on their couch and they, they watch the game. They got their beer and their Cheetos. And as like, the Leafs score, like, whoa, you know, beer and Cheetos everywhere. And then after the end, when the Leafs win three to one over Montreal, uh, then all of a sudden it's like they get up and like, yeah, we did it. Like somehow they helped. Right, that's that's this thought, but we we do that sometimes when it comes to our to our faith in following Jesus. Where we have these uh, these thoughts that you know I I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to be in the rows. I'm kind of excited to be like I'm there, but when it comes to actually following, I I don't know. I'm not sure. And so maybe for you this morning, you ask the question, well. How do, I, how do I follow Jesus? How do I follow his instructions? How do I know if I'm growing in my faith? Am I a disciple? Well, the question is this, what do I do next? Well, there's different steps on a journey. There's that ancient Chinese proverb that uh, the, the, the journey of, the, of a thousand miles begins with one step. Some of you speak Chinese. That's good. So the, the, you know the, that it begins with a step, and there's steps in our, in our walk with Christ. And I want to talk about one of those steps as we kind of finish in the, in the second half of uh, this, this message this morning. I want to talk about one of those steps. The steps that, some of the steps that Jesus asks us to take, they're not easy. Any followers of Jesus know that? Yeah, when they say, hey, you need to forgive, you're like, uh, you're not married to her. Right? Like, thanks, Jesus, but, you know. Uh, or he's like, he says stuff like, you need to love your enemies. And you're like, but you don't know what they did to me. Love doesn't mean I'm just forgiving. Love means I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be patient. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put their needs above my own. It's like, oh, 
that's hard. And it's not that he even asked us to do it one time. He asked us to repeat that, to live a lifestyle of that. That's difficult. But see, there's certain things that I find that Jesus has actually asked us to make some easier steps that we only have to do once. And they don't need to be repeated. And yet some of us find those steps to be really, really difficult. And so this morning, I want to talk about one of those. And hopefully the walls don't go up. But I want to talk about being baptized in water this morning. You know, I try and talk about it every year because it's one of the things that Jesus commands his followers to do. He's not walking out already, is he? Some of the steps, you know, it's like that, that question tonight, am I, or this morning, am I a fan or am I a follower? Am I fascinated by Jesus or am I going to do what he says? Fans can sit in the seats and watch, but followers can't. They're in the spot of saying, no, no, I'm, I'm doing what Jesus said. And baptism can be one of those things that, that becomes, uh, it's one of, those, one of those steps. Mark chapter 16, Mark, who I think is probably the best author in the whole Bible. But he, uh, Mark chapter 16, he wrote this. He wrote what Jesus said. He said, and then Jesus told them, go into all the world. It's after he had died and rose from the dead. He's like, go tell everybody what you just witnessed. Go preach the good news to everyone. And anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. It's like, believes what? Anyone who believes, believes what? You know what I find so often in, in church, in, in, in conversations with people, they're like, you know, are you a Christian? Yeah. How come? Well, I, I believe in God. I, I believe there's a God. You know, we, we've kind of got to this spot where we think that that's what it was all about, that I would just believe in a God. Well, Jesus never gave us that option. James, the brother of Jesus, later on writes and says, hey, you believe in God? Good for you. Even the demons believe in God. That's kind of the company. I don't know. It's terrible. Like he says, you know, they, they believe in God and they tremble. He's like, it's, it's more than just believing in God. Are you, are you doing what he says? You know, he says, he says, who believes in the good news? The person who believes the fact that, that Christ died for my sins, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead, and that other people saw him. He's like, you put your trust in that? He says, You'll, you're, you're saved. You, you're a follower of Jesus. But then it takes the next steps. Romans chapter 10, Paul wrote to the Romans, and he said, if you openly declare... So basically, if you use your mouth to say that Jesus is, what's that word? Lord. He says, if you say that Jesus is Lord, not that Jesus is God, not that Jesus existed, that Jesus is Lord. If you'll say with your mouth and you'll trust in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. It's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. It's by that public confession of your faith that, yes, this, I, I have put my trust in him. Back in the day, we used to call it the ABCs, that I admit that I'm a sinner, that I need a Savior. I believe, B, I believe, I trust that with Jesus, that he is that Savior, that he came to do what I can't do. I've got sin in my life that I can try and make up for with good works, but I'm never going to succeed. I'm not fooling anybody. I can't fix me. I believe that he can. And see that I would confess with my mouth that, yeah, he is my, what's that word? Lord. See, that's a hard word for us because we want to say, oh, I believe Jesus is God. But he's like, no, no, I, I want to be Lord. I, I want to be master. I, I, I want you to come follow me, which means I want, you to, I want you to do what I say. And so as he says, believing he says, believing in baptism, they go together, and it's in, a, it's in a certain order, and here's where it gets a little sticky. See, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, 
He came and told the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Go make followers first. And he says, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach these followers to obey everything that I've, that I've commanded you, including go out and make more disciples. See, Jesus said, go, go make disciples. See, for so many of us in our culture, we actually did it the other way around. We didn't even know we did it. We kind of got baptized as children. You know, our parents decided, you know, hey, we're going to kind of, and, and they were doing their best. You know, there's nothing, nothing wrong with it, that. But Jesus didn't say, go make, you know, go make Catholics. You know, go out into all the world and make some good Anglicans. Go out into all the world and make Presbyterians or, or you know, Protestants, whatever. It's not what he said. He didn't even say, go make Christians. He said, go make followers, disciples, people who are going to do what I've commanded and, and then baptize them. You know, the, the, the Bible tells in Acts how the first day that those guys did what Jesus said. They're like, okay, Jesus, you told us, we're your disciples. We're going to do what you said. And they went out and they shared the good news with people. And one day, 3,000 people were like, yeah, we want to follow that guy. And they're like, okay, you want to follow? Come on, we're going to do baptism. And 3,000 of them got baptized in one day. That is, that's pretty, pretty amazing and pretty epic. But it was one step in the journey of actually following Jesus, of being a follower of Christ. You know, one of the things you learn from this is it's not an optional. It's a command. It's not one of those things where you're like, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You know, baptism is a sign that someone else is the master of our life. It's actually the sign that says you're leading I'm following. Baptism is a personal act of obedience to Christ. And that's why this morning, there's no judgment. There's no saying, hey, we're going to try and figure out, you know, you're going to have to sign a paper at the end. How many of you have not been baptized? It's not, not that at all. It's this thing of saying, he's calling out to you. Don't worry about anybody else. I'm calling you to follow me. Will you? Will you? You know, and so what is baptism? It's not just personal. It's not just a thing that's about you and, and God. It's public. Baptism is this outward sign of the inward work that God's doing in hearts and lives. And Paul told the Romans, he says, you know what baptism is? It's like you connecting to the resurrection of Jesus personally. It's, it's not just a story that I know on Easter. It's I'm putting Mark now in the story where I believe that, yeah, Jesus died. And as he was buried, he said, Paul said to the Romans, it's like you, you were buried with him. You went under the water, but he went into the grave. And it says when he rose out of the grave, it's like as you rise out of the water, you're living a new life with him, immersed in his presence. Wherever you go, you got Jesus with you. He says that's what's being symbolized through baptism, and it's, it's powerful. You know, it's like other symbols we have in our life, like this one, a wedding. Some of you are getting married, Dan and Jill. It's going to be you guys pretty soon, you know. This is maybe for you, you've, you are married, and you look back, you remember that day. It was pretty exciting. Maybe some of you, you're not married yet, and you're looking forward to that day. You know what this day was? This was not the day that you fell in love. Well, it better not have been. You know, or like, <laughs> unless you're in an arranged marriage or whatever, right? But that's not what this day was about. This day was something else. This day was like, I already know that I love that person. I'm just going to tell the whole world that it is, it's him and me, or it's her and me for the rest of our lives. I'm committing my life to share my life with this person for the rest of my life. He says, that's, that's what it is. And that's what baptism is as well. It's the, the day saying, you know what? I'm committing my life in front of everybody who wants to know. It's me and Jesus for the rest of my life. I'm with him. He's with me. You know, baptism wasn't, wasn't something where you joined a church. It wasn't something where you, you know, to say that you got saved. You know, if you didn't get baptized, you know, then, then, you're, not, then you're not saved. It was simply a sign that I've joined his family. I've joined his family. And so, 
there's questions that pop up, and, and I know because people ask me them, and I, they may be rolling around in your mind this morning. I want to I end today with those, a couple of the questions. Here, here's a few just to think about. One question I get asked all the time was this. I, I was baptized as a baby, so do I have to be baptized again? Part of it in the thought is that Jesus said, you know, those who believe, those who believe and are baptized, those who have become followers of their own and, and have agreed to that, that they would be baptized. See, see, the reason we even have this thing of baptizing children is way back in the day, shortly after Jesus said, hey, you know what, believe and be baptized, all of a sudden the church was getting together and they'd, they'd be looking around, they're like, you know what? The kids, the kids these days, they, they don't live that long. We're like, kids are dying before they turn five. Like, where are they going? Like, I don't know. Jesus said, you know, believe and be baptized. Well, well, what happens if they aren't baptized? And so they began, to, they began to come up with plans and thought, well, we can create this place called Limbo or whatever where we're going to, you know, that's where unbaptized babies went or whatever their, the thoughts were. They're like, you know what? Or we could just baptize them. So they started dunking babies in water. And how many of you know babies don't love being dunked in cold water? So then they were like, yeah, for those of you who know, they're like, okay, we got to come up with something different. So then they were like, well, we'll sprinkle certain water on them and then, 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 then they're good. And see what's happened is, now that's kind of transferred all this way to where people think that's kind of your sense of security. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, am I a Christian? Oh, I don't know. I was like, you ask people, hey, you're Christian? Well, I was baptized Anglican, you know, or I was baptized Presbyterian, or, you know, I was baptized as a baby. And it's kind of this thought of like, it doesn't matter what I do, I'm good. You know, because your parents are like, it doesn't matter what you do, you're good. We, we baptize you as a, as a child. So there's this thought, you know, where people have said, hey, you know, I, uh, I, was, I was baptized as a child. Do you know, what happened? you know what the next kind of the line in the conversation is? But I'm non-practicing. You know, it's kind of thought, yeah, I was baptized as an Anglican, but, but I'm non-practicing. Non-practicing doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Because if I were to say, hey, I'm Mark, I'm a non-practicing skydiver. You're like, okay. And some of you would join me and say, you know, we're, we're non-practicing vegetarians. We're having roast for, for, for lunch, right? Or, you know, I'm... Like, we think about it for a little bit. I'm a non-practicing magician. You're like, hey, do a trick. I'm like, I would, but non-practicing, right? So you're like, you, you think like that, that just doesn't, it doesn't mean anything, right? So I know this morning I push a few little buttons, but it doesn't, it doesn't actually mean anything. And being baptized because you're following Jesus is where it means something. It's like, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, so I'm taking the step of following him. See, and I guess it comes down to this. Being baptized as a child isn't what Jesus asked us to do. It's good, but it's not what he asked us to do. You know, if I, if I were to take my, um, if I were to ask my kid and say, hey, you guys, can you guys take the garbage to the road? And I come back in 10 minutes and, and there's, you know, there's my kids. I'm like, hey, did you take the garbage to the road? No, dad, but we cleaned our room. I'm like, that's good, but that's not what I asked you to do. Would, would you say, hey, those kids, they followed my instructions? Nobody wants to answer anything now. <laughs> I know. Say, did they follow my instructions? Well, no. You know, if they said, hey, Dad, we brought the garbage to the garage, I'm like, well, that's good, but that's not what I asked you to do. And for some, that's kind of been your thing. You're like, hey, you know, I, I did, but he's saying, no, as a follower, following means I'm following what you're asking me to do. And some have said, you know, well, I did a different type of ceremony, so does that count? You know, I did profession of faith, or I, I took some church membership classes, or, you know, I was confirmed, or whatever it was. Do, does, that, does that count? Well, 
I just want to ask you this question. Would you do the same thing? Like before Beth and I got married, if I said to her, you know, Beth, I love you, but I don't think we really need to have a wedding. I don't think we need to do that. I've been to a wedding before. That should count. She's like, no, no, I want to hear you tell me that you're never going to leave and that I get to spend all your money and, you know, for rich or for poor, whatever, that we're together, right? If you just went to, like, you turn 16, you're like, you know, hey, they're telling me I got to take my driver's I don't need to take my driver's test. I took a spelling test in grade three and I got an A+. Plus. You know, that should count. We would never do this in any other, in any other way. You know, you get, you're driving later on, you get pulled over, and the officer says, hey, show me your license. Well, I don't really have one of those, but I have the spelling test, you know, and he's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're good to go. Wouldn't be fair, would it? So I know as difficult as it is to say this this morning, as much as I, that, that, that worry, that concern of saying, hey, you know, you're doing it wrong, I'm not saying that in a way to say, as condemnation, I'm actually a little terrified of the emails and texts I will receive after this message. Uh, I just felt like the, the, the thing is Jesus calls us to follow. My, my question is this. Well, before I tell you, the, let me tell you a quick story. This guy in the Old Testament, for those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament, it's, it's the story of the people of Israel. And there was some poetry and there's some different things, but there's also a bunch of historical stories. And they told this story in 2 Kings. You can read it, 2 Kings chapter 5. It's a story of a guy named Naaman. Naaman is not from um, Israel. He's, uh, he's a commander of an army, a Syrian army, I believe. And he's got this disease called leprosy where his body's full of sores. And he's like, you know what, what I'm going to die of this. And this little girl tells him, no, actually, there's a prophet in Israel who knows God and, and can heal you. And so he goes to his king, the king of the country, and, because this name is a powerful man. He's like one of the, like a commander of the army. And the king says, hey, I'll give you a letter. You know, if the prophet won't listen to you, he'll listen to me. I'm a king. You know, puts on the letter. This is Naaman. He's sick. Heal him, the king. All right. And so he takes a letter and he goes to Israel and he gets to Israel and he, they say, where's the prophet live? And he, they point him to the house and they go to the house. And he's like, okay, so this, the king, you know, the, the prophet's going to heal me. The king said so. He, he gets to the house, and the servant guy comes out. The servant guy's like, hey, can I help you? He's like, yeah, I'm Naaman. I have a, I'm an important guy. I'm a commander. I have leprosy. I would like the prophet to come out and heal me. And he's like, okay, let me check. Goes in. He's like, uh, he keeps just telling himself. He comes out. He's like, yeah, he's not coming out today. Um, he has a message for you. He's like, well, I have a message for him. Here's a letter from the king. Tell him to come out and heal me. He goes in, comes back out. He's like, He's not coming out today. He actually just told me to tell you to go jump in the lake or a river. He's like, go jump in the Jordan River and you'll be healed. And Naaman's there. He's like, you got to be kidding me. I traveled a long, I'm an important person. I travel a long way. You tell me to go jump in this dirty river? He's like, no, no, that's, forget it, no. Hops in his chariot and starts booking it back to his country. And, and as they're going back, he's angry. And his servant, you know, servants weren't allowed to really, you know, address masters on this kind of, these kind of terms. The servant takes this massive risk, and he says, Sir, sir, I, I know you're ticked. I know you're upset, but, but I have a question. Like, what if, what if the guy had asked you to do something really, really difficult? Would you have done it? Oh, yeah, I would have done it. I would have scaled Mount Everest if that's what you told me. He's like, I know you would have. He's like, he says, so then why won't you do something if it's so simple? You can just see the words in his head. You know what? I would have done it if it was difficult, but my, my pride kind of gets in the way. I, I'm not going to go j- jump in that river. As he begins to think about it, it's like God grabs his heart. He's like, you're right. You don't die today. He gets out and he drives his chariot to the river, hops in the river, jumps under seven times like he was told, comes up, he's completely healed. See, my thought and how that relates to us today is this. 
if we're not willing to do something so simple as a step in following Jesus, if we're not willing to take the simple step of baptism, that one step of saying, yes, I'm following you, Jesus, how are we ever going to do the hard stuff that he's asking us to do all the time? And my fear, my fear is that we'll just try and fill up rows here at Kingsway. Like, yeah, we're doing great. Look how many people showed up. Look how much money's in the offering. Woohoo! When he called us to make disciples, followers, people who are like, I'm excited about my faith. I live out my faith because I'm following him. And you know how you know I'm following him? Because I'm taking steps following him. So this morning, what's hindering you? If you've, if you've accepted Jesus Christ and his forgiveness, if you're like, yeah, Mark, I believe and I trust that, you're saved. You, you're, you're going to heaven because that's, it's not about baptism. But what's hindering you from actually following Jesus? Maybe you were unaware. Maybe today's like, huh, I just never thought of it that way before. Okay, sign me up. What's hindering you? Maybe for you it's the date. You're like, I can't do June 30. <laughs> There's lots of dates. We'll bring a cattle trough in here next week. No, no, we will. Because I don't want to hinder any way in any way of you following Jesus. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I'm afraid of water. We're not going to drown you. We're not going to hold you under longer than, than we're not. You don't need to be afraid. Maybe for you, you're like more afraid of what people are going to think. And that's one of them things he's trying to get out of your heart now and so that it will always be out because what people think doesn't matter. He's like, well, what about John? What about that guy? He's like, don't worry about him. I want you to follow me. You know, maybe you're hearing like, oh, everybody already thinks I'm baptized. You know, I'm on the board. You know, <laughs> whatever, whatever it might be. Whatever. I, I know that because I've had people and, and I, I, I had one guy who's just like, you know, they're all going to already. I'm like, it's so, you know what? It's, it's not about them. And then he took the step of baptism. Like, you know what? It's like, it's just, it just did something on the inside because I know that I know that I'm following Jesus. So this morning, for those of you who are baptized already, followers of Jesus, this isn't the only step. And I would encourage you as over the next couple of weeks as we look at some of the steps that, that he's calling you, this, there's some challenging things for me to say, am I, am I really following? Or am I just, I'm good with this Christian thing? Uh, am I turning into a fan? Because he's, he puts things in my heart too. I know I'm pushing a little bit this morning, but I want to see you growing in your faith and, and actually walking that out with Jesus. And so this morning is not really this thing of saying you're doing it wrong. I just want to show some funny pictures. Uh, this morning is really to help you to think about it for you. If Jesus is saying to you, hey, don't worry about everyone else. I, I want you to follow me. He's got so much that he wants to do through your life if you're just willing to follow. Jesus told us as a church, make disciples, make followers. So this morning as I share this, yeah, it's poking a little bit for some, but it's for your good, I promise. That thought of encouraging you to be his follower, a true follower. So my challenge for you this morning, your question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with Jesus thing, saying, don't worry about anybody else. I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. For some, that step is baptism. For others, it's forgiveness. For others, it's some other, some other thoughts. But this morning, I want to focus on this one. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the, this morning. I'm thankful for your word, even when it meddles in our lives. Just glad that it teaches us to do what's right. And 
Father, I want to say thank you for loving us so much, for sending your son that you died that we might have freedom and that we might live in you and that our lives may look so different as a result of that. And I just want to say thank you again for that. Thank you for giving your best for us. And Lord, I know that there's people that struggle here this morning, that there's fear and there's difficulty and there's things wrapped around us. God, I just pray that as uh, you just continue to make them aware of your your uh, true strength, power, and love for them, that they would have the courage to just step out and live out their faith with you. Thank you for your presence in our lives as we walk out of this place. We don't leave you behind. Uh, I just pray that people would see you in us and that they might have their hearts open to to receive your incredible love and your amazing, amazing friendship. Thank you, Father. In your awesome name I pray.